here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Rob McCarron. Hashtag authority. Hashtag Steph Bouncy. Hashtag Smackdown 15. Jeff Hawkins. You done digging that hole? You're listening to Shake Them Ropes with Rob McCarron and Jeff Hawkins. Dance on your grave, dirt sheet writer. Had a dream, I hadn't made it. Now there's nothing dragging down me, yeah. Cause a girl gonna push it all out the way. Destined to break in, I found my way, yeah. Now I made nobody gonna take it. Cause a girl gonna push them all out the way. I had a dream that I made it here in the spotlight. Woke up, see my life in the shade, now it's not quite. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Shake Them Ropes, episode 165. Rob McCarron here alongside Jeff Hawkins, as usual. And Jeff, I have a question for you. Okay. It's very important. Very, very important. Answer truthfully. What would the crazier thought have been last Wednesday? What would the crazier thought have been? Finn Balor coming in as the centerpiece to the newly announced cruiserweight division or Finn Balor debuting on raw with two wins, one over Roman reigns and becoming one half of the main event of SummerSlam. It would probably be the latter. That was some raw show. Oh, it was great. And you know what? It was a great show and it was a great opening where I get cautious is now you have to produce every week. And there are just some weeks. I mean, it's great to have that first great show. But can you repeat this? Can you keep that momentum going? And, yeah, no, Finn had had one of the best Raws, one of the better debuts in recent memory. The only ones I can think of, possibly, uh, Kevin Owens beating Cena right off the bat in the U.S. Open Challenge. Yeah, but that wasn't even his debut, right? Uh, on the main on the main roster it was. Yeah. On the main roster he debuted He didn't did he? Did he beat John yes. Cena in a US Open Challenge? I didn't think they wrestled. I thought they wrestled at Elimination Chamber. No. No, that was uh that was the uh rubber match or that was the rematch. No, it, it was not. No. Yeah. I I think he came in for the US Open Challenge, but remember his whole gimmick was he fights on his time. He's not doing it on John Cena's time. Okay. No, so he then, be, then, he like beats him up, but uh, but that was an incredible debut. He just didn't win any matches. So right. the the point about Finn Balor is he came in here. And not only did he win his debut match on the main roster, he won two of them, and one of them earned him the main event spot of uh, of SummerSlam. And you compare this to other debuts, and it's tough to kind of find one that had this much going on for it. Like if you want to go, you know, kayfabe wise or whatever, if you want to play the result here. Paige's debut was pretty big. She comes in on Raw the night after WrestleMania and wins the Women's Championship. Yeah, but they, Chris Jericho obviously had a strong debut, but he didn't win anything. He just got shot put right into the uh, rock there. 
uh, those those two being strong for different reasons. Yeah, they do this with women. They they because they did it with Gail Kim as well. Gail Kim's first night on the roster, she won the title. But of course, the women's title back then, you know, it it meant something, but not as much as this. This was huge. Now and for Finn, now he needs to cut a promo, like next week, to really solidify this push because. Here, here's where I warn people because everybody always tells you on the indie scenes and, and New Japan fans and things like that, oh, they're such a great wrestler, they're such a great wrestler, they're such a great wrestler. That matters, but that's not going to make you a star. What's going to make you a star is your promo and your personality. Now we need that. Now it, next week is the barometer of whether or not these two matches matter. Really. Right. But for now, great debut. Oh, can't complain about it at all. It, it was a great debut. We're going to talk about more on uh, this show with our guest coming up shortly, Markia McCarty of AfterBuzz TV. Uh, she has guested on the show before. She was on late last year, I believe, also going into SummerSlam, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, she yeah. was in, on in August because I was recording uh, from Wisconsin. At yeah. the time. I remember that one. That's right. So she is going to join us to talk about the WWE post-draft, the future of Raw and SmackDown, what she liked best about Raw and so forth. On the SmackDown side, the big news coming out of the show, Dolph Ziggler, your number one contender for the WWE Championship against Dean Ambrose at SummerSlam, and that's kind of it. Raw won week one. Raw is the winner over SmackDown in week one if we're doing a a show-by-show comparison. But Jeff, Hmm? if you're looking to upgrade your socks, underwear, shirts, or all of the above, there is one place to go. Where would that be? MacWeldon.com. MacWeldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now. And this week, you can save 20% off your first order with promo code VOW. That's right. Use our exclusive promo code VOW at MacWeldon.com this week and save 20% on comfortable socks, shirts, hoodies, and more. You can also try their great fitting underwear completely risk free. If you're not a fan, keep the pair and get your money back. It really is that easy. You try it out. If you don't like it, you send it. You send. Uh, you don't even send it back. You just keep the underwear. Try them out. Keep them, and you can get your money back. I think uh, a, lot, a lot of people underestimate how great underwear can be. <laughs> like especially guys, you go and you buy like a three pack for six bucks, and you wonder why you keep replacing them all the time. Get the good stuff. You'll wear them forever, and you're gonna feel much better. Get the super deal now at MacWeldon.com with promo code VOW. That's M A C K W E L D O N dot com. Use promo code. V-O-W. We will be back shortly with Markia McCarty of AfterBuzz TV here on Shake Them Ropes, episode 165. Welcome back to Shake Them Ropes. Rob McCarron, Jeff Hawkins here, and we are now joined by Markia McCarty. Markia has been on the show before. It was last year around SummerSlam time, and here we have her again, thankfully. I, we appreciate her joining us on the show. Markia, how are you? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, glad to be back on Shake Them Ropes, y'all. I mean, glad to see you again, Rob, but Jeff, yes. you know. Jeff is Jeff. Jeff, wow. Jeff is Jeff. Oh, wow. I have someone maybe on my team right now. I, ha- I have heat? What, what is this? I took you to PWG. What are you doing there? <laughs> you did You tried to throw shade with me getting you the Suicide Squad thing. I was the only friend that got you something. I know. That's why you have no heat with me. <laughs> the only one who got you something, Jeff, and you had to beg like three times a day for someone to finally do it. I know. <laughs> Because I can't, because I can't get down to San Diego. Nor do I have any inkling to want to go down to San Diego for Comic Con, just because it's you know, traffic and parking and everything else. Uh, you just have to go at the right times, Jeff. 
It's old man Jeff. It's old man well, Jeff. I'd almost went Thursday, but the thing was, uh, you know, I I have a big boy job and I have responsibilities and I have shows with Rob I have to do. So you know, it, it was just it, if I was gonna go, it would have been this year, but uh, I didn't. So there. Okay. okay. <laughs> Marquia was at uh, she was at the San Diego Comic Con. How was the experience overall? Oh, it's fantastic. Um, I go every year. Uh, usually I'm performing uh, with uh, some of my improv groups. Or, uh, but this year I was doing press, and I did that with AfterBuzz TV. And I actually did get to uh, interview a few wrestlers. That, that was part of my docket, so I really appreciated that. What were, what were the names on the list? Who was uh, getting in front of the microphone with Marquia McCarty? Oh, okay. Well, it was for a specific project. Uh, it was uh, Scooby-Doo and WWE Curse of the Speed Demon. <laughs> uh, it's actually the second installment that the Scooby-Doo universe has done uh, with WWE. And the first one was, I mean, you have to see it, uh-huh. <laughs> but it was one of a kind. And that was the important thing with it. And it was so profitable uh, that it, yeah, they brought it back again, but this time kind of like an amazing race type of a thing. Uh, in any case, I uh, interviewed Seamus and Paige uh, were part of the docket for uh, Scooby-Doo and WWE. I know. I'm not, I'm not going to lie, Jeff. Those would have been the first two names I thought of. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it seems like Seamus is their guy right now. Hey, if you're Seamus, that's probably a good move. Get into doing all the movies and whatnot. You know, keep your value there. It's not like you're doing anything on TV right now. So yeah, keep keep doing those comic cons. Keep doing the movies for them. But they were they were not answering any questions outside of the stuff for Scooby Doo. Is that right? No, that was part of the uh, that was part of being able to be in the room. It's like oh, you just have to ask them about the movie, <laughs> pretty much. So I couldn't bring up things about Battleground or you know SummerSlam coming up. Unfortunately, but if you do see, uh, uh, I have the interview pinned on my, uh, my Twitter right now. Uh, and Seamus is in rare form. He's awesome. I do recommend seeing that interview. Uh, he does bring up ginger power. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, it's really fun. Where, where can the people find you on Twitter and, and explain what you guys do on after buzz TV? Oh, sure. Uh, if you guys want to reach out to me on Twitter, I'm also interested in uh, Sailor Moon Crystal, if uh, anybody's interested in that. I do. I see uh, that. I see those tweets all the time. Exactly. Uh, I'm at Markeia McCarty. That's M-A-R-K-E-I-A-M-C-C-A-R-T-Y. I'm also on Instagram under the same. You can see some uh, some SDCC pictures. I still have to put more up. And a number of interviews. Uh, wrestlers like Paige and Seamus. But then if you're interested in other projects like... Um, uh, Timeless. It's a new NBC show. I also got to interview the creators for that. Oh, is that the new Sean Ryan show? Yeah, is Sean yeah. Ryan and Eric Kripke? Yeah, no, Sean Ryan's great. He's uh, he's the creator of the Shield. Yes. Oh, yeah. he is. Um, I'm so I was so focused on the supernatural aspect of it with Eric Kripke. I forgot about that. Yeah, and also a, a show that kind of went under the radar that lasted for about a season called the the last uh, last resort about the uh, submarine. That was on ABC with Andre Brower. No, I, I love Sean Ryan. He's great. Yeah, uh, I recommend seeing the interview then. It's on my Twitter, too. Go check her out on Twitter, After Buzz TV. Marquia, we had a uh, pretty big, pretty hyped week of WWE last week with the WWE draft. We are now a week removed from last week's Raw and SmackDown, the draft. We know the rosters. We got the TV shows. You watched Raw last night and talked about it on After Buzz TV. 
What are you thinking so far about the whole WWE landscape as far as the draft goes uh, now that we're at least one week in? Okay, well, I, I think they were really proving themselves with the whole new era thing. And I, I bring this up on, oh, uh, with After Buzz TV, um, if you want to see the Raw After Show, uh, <laughs> also in my Twitter, I'm with Johnny LaQuasto, uh, Dale Rutledge, and uh, Ty Matthews. Uh, and I brought it up there, but they're really showing themselves for the new era that yep. they've been promising us. And it's like, it's like little tweaks with things. I mean, it's things like... Um, how they had that running gag with the Pokemon thing going, which was ridiculous, but had a good culmination. It, it just seems like with what they're doing with Raw right now, they're actually listening to the fans. I mean, the very fact that we had a title change that happened last night yeah. right before SummerSlam and and that it was Sasha that it happened to. I mean, I, I have a lot of hope for this now. I mean, last Raw was pretty epic. I thought it was different. I, I, I liked that it seemed fun and it seemed to flow. You know what actually made it flow best was the fact that Stephanie McMahon was nowhere near the show, which was <laughs> great. And you know what? If if To me, that also gives me hope, just to tie this into Kia's point, in that they said, okay, the focus is going to be on the wrestlers. For one week, it really, really was. And the pacing of the show was great. I loved the squash matches. That was big. For, that dude, James Ellsworth, needs to be right. signed. He needs to be signed. He needs to be on every week losing for about 25 weeks. And then he needs a fluke win over a guy like Seamus. I, I love that dude. They should have named him Mulkey. That's how <laughs> great of a jobber he was. And, you know, they got Nia Jax over quite well. And, and that, that Charlotte-Sasha match. You talk oh, about two the whole presentation, really, I mean, from start to finish, not just the match, but the presentation afterwards with Charlotte yeah. walking back and Sasha in the ring uh, doing her, her post-fight interview and <laughs> them getting about 25 minutes of total screen time. Yeah, that was uh, that was a pretty epic moment inside of a, a somewhat epic show. To Marquia's point, too, about the subtle things, even the stuff with the announcers being back in their uh, location from when you know they first started the draft, but they still made it a little bit different with the camera close-ups. The close-ups yeah. were from behind the desk at, with them standing. So you saw yeah. the live crowd. You saw the energy. Before, they would do the same old close-ups where they were sitting down at the desk. It was low energy, and there's nothing behind them. It's just blank space. So even the stuff like that, I felt like they really did put a lot of thought into how they were going to present it post-draft. Yeah, yeah. the the, the, the standing thing, it's funny because I'll, I'll, I'll shoot to key on this. It, it's, it's an improv thing that the energy of a scene goes down when you sit down. In a scene. And yeah, no, it made the energy well. And it also doesn't make them look like guys who are just staring at their monitors the entire time. It makes them look like they're actually a part of this experience. Yeah, absolutely. Like Jeff was saying with improv, um, I personally feel, and I, you know, I've done a lot of improv, is that you have to earn that sit. You have to earn that sitting in that chair. You have to have something that's so close and personal and relatable that it earns a sit. Well, if you just start off a scene sitting, you're starting off with basically a handicap. And I didn't even think about that with like with those commentators because we got so used to seeing them removed and behind that desk that it was like how Jeff was saying with James Elworth. Uh, Ellsworth, it was such a change to see, wait, they're, uh, they're going to talk to the jobber. I'm sorry, the enhanced talent person. Right. Um, and it's like, uh, and also, uh, if y'all can fact check on this, maybe later, like tweet me or something. Uh, someone told me that it was, um, James Ellsworth is actually pretty Jimmy dream. That, yes. uh, okay, great. Great. Jeff is, uh, <laughs> Jeff is breaking our gimmick of never fact checking here. <laughs> 
we just say whatever we want uh, and whenever we want to do it and hope that it comes out right. That's because most of what I say is fact, Rob. Right. And that's because most of what I say, I don't want to be fact. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's how it goes. Uh, so that note, we have we have two classically trained improvisationalists, actors here uh, in Los Angeles. What did you think about the presentation from start to finish of uh, Finn Balor, Marquia? He makes his uh, main roster debut. What did you think about the backstage segment with him speaking, with him in the ring, and uh, and the future of Finn Balor? Okay, well, with Finn, um, it was like automatic presence with him. It was like he's he's been there before and he's here now. Not not on the same not on the same level that AJ Styles was. I mean, as soon as AJ Styles was there, it was just like he's always been there. But like with Finn, uh I liked his backstage with uh with Reigns, uh where it's like we invented luck, you know, going ahead and doing the Irish thing, which yeah, Seamus and uh, <laughs> Becky. Oh, my God. They went so Irish with her. Yes, they did. Uh, each of, oh, <laughs> I mean, all of them had to have that Irish thing first. But I think this was the most natural that it's been um, with them pushing, you know, pushing that personality aspect. So I liked I liked him with Reigns. Um, I liked the story that they told uh, in the ring, you know, when that came wrong. Obviously, no spoilers. Hopefully people have seen it by now. Uh, and I even kind of enjoyed Reigns afterwards when he was saying like, yeah, I respect that guy and I'm coming for him as soon as he has a belt. What do you, uh, what do you think that means for Roman? Because they, you know, they had time on television to where they could have planted some seeds maybe for, uh, a, for a subtle heel turn. But no, it looks like he's going to be respectful babyface guy still. But what does he do for the next four weeks? You know, at this point, I'm I've been a I've been a big rain supporter. Well, not like huge rain supporter, but like, hey, he's he's doing a really great job. Yeah. Third generation wrestler. I mean, I don't understand like all the stack that he's getting, mm-hmm. but he's he's not evolving. And that's the problem. I mean, you you kind of have to adapt to the environment around you, you know? I mean, and everything's pushing for at least some kind of heel turn, something. We need something else from him. I mean, I feel like he has solid work. I mean, love the spear, love, you know, Superman punch. But we just, with this new era, we're going to need another dimension for him. And I think that that was, that was a lost opportunity to be able to go ahead and, and I, well, for me, my analogy for him is um, I want a bloody handprint on his face because uh-huh. I think... Okay. <laughs> He's just, he's, he's so damn pretty, you know, and he just needs something, (laughs) he needs something to, to take him outside of himself. And I think if he has a bloody handprint on his face, that's just the edge he needs. That, 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 that's the thing to put him over the top right there. A bloody handprint, uh, to the subtlety point, um, (laughs) my, my question was a a bloody handprint, by the way, would not be very subtle. No, it would not, but, but, but WWE is not known for its subtlety either, so I'll, I'll take a bloody hand, Brent. Um, on this heel turn thing, I keep hearing this point being brought up, but let me bring up something subtle that they did in that match uh, in the second four-way, which was, and it appeared to me they were trying to keep Reigns a, a baby face at the expense of Sami Zayn somewhat by, by having Sami Zayn join in a, a three-on-one attack. What did you guys think of that? Well, uh, I saw Sami Zayn with his paws, 
you know, when the other two were just wailing on Reigns. And then I saw like logic click for him. <laughs> so then he just went for it. So um, I think after seeing him at Battleground, uh, him and Owens was, I, I really enjoyed that match. Like I, I, I thought I'd be tired of that rivalry. I'm not. So, but um, no, I don't, I just see him being very passionate. You know, passionate and going for it, but I don't. I don't see any kind of heel thing. If that's what you're saying. No, 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 no. I, I, I just thought the move was was to because the assumption would be Roman. We may be turning Roman here, and it seems like they're going the opposite direction in that they're going to make him more of a babyface, even by making more popular babyfaces at the in the moment a little bit heelish to keep Roman Reigns popular as a good guy. Well, you saw it, you saw it in the main event when Dean Ambrose doubled up on him with Seth yeah. Rollins. Uh, yeah. So there, there could be something to that. The worry I would have, if that's what they actually decided to do, is instead of making Roman Reigns this ultra-mega babyface, you bring down the babyfaces you already have, and then you're left with guys that uh, no one really wants to cheer all the way in for. Well, there was an interesting moment last night during the Finn match. Where people are, was it the Finn match or the four-way, where there was a noticeable chant for Roman Reigns in that audience that, that eventually got drowned out by booze, which is interesting. Because yeah. there, there is a small segment of the audience, and maybe it's not so small, maybe we're underestimating uh, the size of this crowd, that really doesn't know who Finn Balor was, and they had known who Roman Reigns was, and he was, you know, a, a nice guy and a, a big favorite, so they wanted to cheer on the guy that they were aware of, Roman Reigns, over the guy that they weren't aware of. I was a little bit surprised at the crowd. I don't remember Pittsburgh being that vocal before, you know. Um, well, that, well, yeah, maybe that's me. You're but, no, you're absolutely right. They they generally aren't, but they certainly got a show that uh, I I feel like unlike WrestleMania crowds, uh, because you if you put that episode of Raw on a WrestleMania weekend Raw, you know, where the the crowd is a lot of Europeans, a lot of guys just go and ape the entire show. Uh, <laughs> that may have been one of the most memorable Raws ever. But those are shows that are made by the crowd. This was a crowd that was made by the show, no? Oh, I like that turnaround. I, um, I, think, yeah. I think this that was, was nice kind of the... Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, you, uh, no. Jeff, you interrupted Marquia saying something nice no, about what we, I just said. Yeah, I know. Because we can't have that on this show, ever. Um, no, this is more of that Pittsburgh rumble crowd that we got. That, that, that vocal, vocal one that almost took over the show, but not quite. And, and and I think your point, here we go, Rob, your point is very good. <laughs> it didn't it didn't have the same effect. Uh, I know. Not coming from Mark. Did that hurt Hawkins? Did that oh, hurt? It, you know what? I'm bandaging myself as we speak. <laughs> yeah, Jeff, uh, Jeff on last week's shows that we did, let me go on for a very long amount about Sami Zayn possibly being the lead of the cruiserweight division. And he let me go on because he knew how much it was going to fall on my face. <laughs> You know, you were passionate about the point, Rob. You were, you were, you were dead set to make it work in some way, and it was a logical point. But of course, now after Monday, it's moot, and you look like a moron. Well, I don't know. Much, I don't, much like, much like me in the page promo, where I go, "This could really be something." I, and then I, of course, no. WWE cuts that out. Yeah, they did. Oh, I want to get uh, definitely. I want to bring Marquia into this uh, this cruiserweight topic, but. I, the jury's not out yet, Jeff, about Sami Zayn being a cruiserweight. I really don't feel it. He, he is a cruiserweight, technically. They've announced him at 212 pounds. The limit's 205. This is going to seem like a small thing. But if he's coming out announced at 205 like he is on the website, he's a cruiserweight. 
You know, okay. that, he just is. Whether he's going to be in the division or not, I don't know. I was just using that random, otherwise random changing of his weight on the website to kind of make a case where it looks like they might put him in that division because otherwise, why change his weight? It makes no sense. And at some point, if they bring the cruiserweights to Raw, which is what they're going to do, they're going to yeah. want a star in there. They're not going to want to bring up just a whole bunch of cruiserweight classic guys. They're going to want an established star in there. And Sami Zayn certainly fits the bill. So I don't think the jury's out on that at all. But Marquia, what do you see happening with this cruiserweight division? And are you excited for it? Uh, I am excited for it, but I'm also the wrong person to ask for that because I'm, I love to have multiple titles on a single individual because I just, uh, it, it, kind of really frustrates the want for everybody else and I just really enjoy that so for me anyone who's under 205 mm -hmm. um, is a possibility for cruiserweight in yeah. fact I, I kind of want to mix things up and have um, uh, Jax in there You're like let's do that I'm sure she's under 205 I know we can't <laughs> but I want it I, I think Nia Jax could beat up some of those guys yeah I think she could. Absolutely. I think, well, she, she basically, they basically um, fed Britt Baker to her, um, you know, yesterday. So it's like, I, I want to see her take on, take on to Heath Slater. Yeah. To, oh, to don't do that to Heath. Don't <laughs> do that to Heath. Heath's got to get signed first. He's got to get signed. I know. He's the only one. You can do that to James Ellsworth. You can have oh. Nia squash James Ellsworth. I'm all for that, but don't. That would be great if we could have an in-ring interview with Ellsworth right before he takes on Jax. I think. Like, hey, I've got two hands, so. Uh, I think we're booking. We're booking a great second uh, week follow-up to this week's Raw right here. <laughs> Nia Jax and James Ellsworth. Uh, yeah, that 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 can certainly work. And you know, a lot of the feedback I was getting because last week's show, I probably went on a little too long about it, but. You know, the same as Zane Finn Balor possibly being a cruiserweight. And as I we opened the show with, you know, yeah, what they did with Finn Balor, I think is certainly more unexpected than if he had come in as the lead cruiserweight because he they fit all the weight descriptions. They fit what they want this cruiserweight division to be. And you can have some stars in that division. Uh, if they don't end up doing that, that's fine. I just thought that was a possibility. Um, it's it's really interesting with that, though, because last night on uh, on Raw, we didn't get a big furthering of whatever they're going to do with the U.S. title. We don't know what Rusev is going to do. We don't know what Kevin Owens is going to do. We don't know what Sami Zayn is going to do. So there's a lot of open possibilities for a lot of the mid-card. Um, we did get a lot of the main event stuff, obviously. Finn Balor and Seth Rollins is the main event of the show. What are what are they going to fill in this mid-card with? Uh, where, where do you see the directions of some of these guys, Marquia? Uh, well, I think they're going to have to stop being stingy with their title changes, definitely. I mean, I, I enjoyed it with Raw when we would have, you know, the title changes wouldn't happen all the time, but they would happen to where it's like, oh, this is why I'm watching this. Mm -hmm. um, and I was, a, I was a little disappointed with Battleground on the aspect of that, yeah, what, where, where was the title change with that? Where was the, with the whole, uh, the coach and uh, make Darren Young great again? I kind of expected something. Maybe they'll give it to us on SummerSlam, but I kind of wanted, for instance, Darren Young to to drink that crazy Coach Kool Aid just a little bit more. You know, I wanted to I wanted to see him explode out of the gate. And yeah, like what you're saying with midcard. I mean, who's who's going up against Rusev right now? Titus. I, I know uh, it's going to be interesting because there's also an open slot somewhere for Roman Reigns. Like, I, because of the Finn Balor craziness on Raw, a lot of people are now forgetting 
okay, what Roman, what's Roman Reigns going to do? Because if we have, say we have AJ Styles and John Cena, say we have Brock Lesnar and Randy Orton, we have Finn Balor and Seth uh, Rollins, we have Bray Wyatt and Dean Ambrose, uh, whatever, whatever's being done with Dean Ambrose. We have all these different matches set up on the show. If they're going to put a U.S. title match on there, if they're going to put an IC title match on there, like Roman Reigns is a guy that's kind of finding himself without a clear spot right now. Okay, well, keep in mind that's going to be um, basically cross-brand. You think they're going to let those uh, let those belts travel between Raw and SmackDown? Because, you know, I, it kind of seems like they're trying to keep it as separate as possible, especially with the creation of the WWE Universal Championship belt. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, I think the, uh, I think the championships all will be kept to their individual brands, but I just don't know who's going to be challenging champion. I mean, Darren Young, uh, I don't know if they're going to give him another title match for that same reason, because they are on split brands. They're on separate shows, yeah. uh, even though it does make sense that Darren Young would get a rematch of some kind, uh, a title match going to double disqualification. Uh, that seems pretty strange. But if you're going to do something like that split branded, this is the show to do it because you're not going to have another one until Survivor Series. That's very true. Jeff, what, yeah, go ahead, Jeff. Well, okay. I was early in on the both the Bailey and the Sasha Banks bandwagon, so this weekend's been great for me. I've I've loved every moment of it, and I understand the the logic of doing something big on this Raw, such as switching out a women's title. And I thought, and of course, that match was phenomenal, and I loved every moment of it. But how do you now go back to what do you do for SummerSlam? That's my question because a rematch is hard to explain. Unless you beat Sasha on TV, which probably wouldn't be non-title, but they've done that before. Stranger things have happened. What, where do you guys see for the women's championship on SummerSlam? Well, I'd be surprised if they didn't give Charlotte a chance to get it back. I don't think she will um, because it's just it's not going to be that quick of a turnover, not with this many fans behind her. I mean, oh, my, y'all heard the audience there. Oh, yeah. Oh, that, that crowd was loving them some Sasha Banks. Stipulation match? You could do a stipulation match, but I, I think a rematch is coming because Charlotte had the title for a pretty long time and she would yeah. get some type yeah. of rematch. I think a stipulation match is coming, whether it's, uh, you know, one of them first-time-only matches. I don't think they're going to put the women in a cage, even though that kind of stipulation might make sense with Dana Brooke always hanging around. Um, oh, but I love it. But I could see some type of uh, of stipulation match, maybe a ladder match of some kind, even though. Oh, my God. No, I, I, Please. I want it. They're, they're open. <laughs> well, no. that. They're open Sorry. to doing weird things with that division. They did the Iron Woman match. They're open to doing new things with that division. You know that they're open to it. So I could I'm see some type of first Iron time. We, we've just about think... got. Yeah, let's do Iron Woman. We've yeah. just got we've got just about everybody. But, you know, and we kind of got Bailey now. Right. So. Yeah. It's like let's let's do it. Let's do Iron Woman. Let's do four horse women. Let's do it. <laughs> let's do it, Jeff. I'm getting well, all excited. Well, the thing is about the ladder match. Look, I love that in theory, but Sasha gonna die if she does a ladder <laughs> match. I mean, the woman is is insane in terms of taking chances and risks with her body, and I I, I love that to death. But I'm thinking thirty thirty minute Iron Woman match on SummerSlam. I'm thinking yeah. because yeah. It, the, the tie in with the flare and the sixty minute match type thing. I think I think that's the way they're gonna go with it. It's also a four hour show. I mean, they yeah. will have more time for it. Yeah, I mean, there's only so much time that it's going to take Brock Lesnar to beat Randy Orton into a 
uh, pulp. So oh, <laughs> oh, 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 really? sh- oh, shots fired. Oh, you have no idea what you're stepping into up in here. <laughs> Don't I? Randy Orton's the best. Oh, wait, what about Randy Orton at Battleground? Because uh, this is a new Randy Orton. This was a, a quicker moving Randy Orton. This, this was is a guy a cool who. Yeah, this is a new Randy Orton. What'd you think about his uh, segment at uh, at Battleground? I enjoyed it. I think we've got a lot of people that are, uh, you know, straight face or straight heel. And it's just like him and Jericho. Okay, I thought this segment went a little bit longer than I wanted to, but it was exactly what it needed to be. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I want to see more of this goofy Randy Orton. I mean, because, you know, snakes are snakes are all kinds of slithery. They're all kinds of weird so a snake can be your best friend and then RKO out of nowhere. That's right. That's right. And even when you know it's coming out of nowhere, it still happens to come out of nowhere. <laughs> I've turned the corner on this version of Jericho. I think he's heightened it to the point where it's so ridiculous. I love him every time. <laughs> he's got to. I, I want to I buy that scarf. I need. Mean, where can I get that scarf? I just want to wear that all the time. MacWeldon, MacWeldon.com. Yeah, MacWeldon.com. You can buy the scarves. Um, the, uh, there are sponsor for this week, Markia. I know we're a big deal. We, we have the sponsor this week because the ratings are going to be huge with, uh, with Marquee on the show. Oh, I like that. Your big, big draw Markia. Uh, I, it, it's funny cause last week fun things happen when Marquee is on the show last year, when we had you on the show at SummerSlam time, uh, we had a fourth person on our panel. Who dropped out after like sixty seconds of being on the show? It was oh, ins- that's right. That's right. It's so much that you know, don't even remember it because it was just wackiness. And then this time, we get on the show and there was uh, Avatar Gate. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, because I I forgot that uh, y'all don't like to do video of your pretty faces. So I had my video on and I didn't have a cool avatar. So it's like, okay, let me find my um, my coffee mug that I'm drinking from right. right now, which uh, is Carnage. Yes. Kia, <laughs> Kia, we we did video Sunday. He did a video yesterday. I'll we, be doing video later today. We could do enough video where people see our ugly faces and they just go, we just want to listen to them right now. We also do it only very late at night when people are tired and they're not really sure what they're seeing. We can't be cognizant. Should should I have picked a more um, people friendly avatar? No, no, you're no avatars are great. Avatars are great. Well, it's it's funny because you know your avatar, you didn't even know what it was. It's Uh, been that long. Sucked, but but other avatars are great. Marquia, your thoughts on Avatar the movie? (laughs) Okay, Uh, I loved the whole real 3D thing. I don't do 3D. I did 3D for that movie, and I'm never taking that back. Because that was that was pretty amazing. A part of uh, the actual movie itself, though, you know, Ferngully meets Pocahontas. Obviously, <laughs> y'all watch Ferngully, The Last Rainforest, right? Well, naturally, all the Nat- time. Yeah. yeah. Well, whenever I'm so sick, whenever I'm African people. Oh right. Whenever I'm sick, I watch Ferngully, and I watch uh, Pippi Longstocking. And the Land Before Time. And yeah. and every Land Before Time, not just <laughs> one of them, all of them, all eighteen or whatever it was. Whenever I'm sick, I watch uh, The Man Who Knew Too Little uh, oh back God. to back. It always makes me happy. Jeff, what's your take, what's your go-to sick movie? I don't take sick days. I go into work. 
Um, <laughs> that's actually true. I, Can you I stop perfect... being an old man for one moment? No, I had per- I had perfect attendance K through twelve. Jesus. I did. Yeah, I was that guy because my uh, my mom was a teacher. Uh, have you gotten a chance to watch the Cruiserweight Classic at all? Any of the, those shows? I haven't yet. There is so much wrestling background. I'm still trying to catch up with things. I'm starting um, on New Japan stuff now. It's oh like my that, god! That plus life. It's like, ah, I know it's, but there's is, too much. There is too much. Wait, what are you starting on the act on the access show or on new Japan world? Uh, new Japan world. Oh my God. That sounds you, familiar. You got a subscription to new Japan world as opposed no, to my friend oh. does. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Uh-oh. Be my care- careful about nice. sharing passwords there. Yeah. Oh, I'm not going to say it on, on here. <laughs> okay. No, no, not don't say the pass. Careful. No. It's a federal crime now to share your password. Can you believe that? I don't mean friend. I mean some person I, I met at a um, a pottery barn. Right. No, Marquia so, purchased a subscription. She did. That she's just being funny. Some hobo had a. Uh... <laughs> no. Hey, hey, Kia, come here. We'll give you a password <laughs> to some great Japanese wrestling. <laughs> no, the person at pottery barn had it printed on their T-shirt. So. Oh wow. You know, and I was like, hey, he's like, yo, and use it. <laughs> This is this is how you meet New Japan friends. You go into Pottery Barn. That that yeah. is a crazy story. Like, cause it, it's gonna always be something random like that. Whenever you see someone in the wild, and you talk wrestling with them, it's always the most random thing. There you go. It really I'm is. Sure, I'm sure Kia's favorite New Japan wrestler will be my favorite New Japan wrestler, of course, Toru Yano. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Yeah. If you see if you see a large, uh, not so in shape man. <laughs> who keeps pointing to his head and wins matches in 30 seconds by pulling someone's hair. That's Jeff's, selling, that's Jeff's favorite wrestler. <laughs> and, selling, and selling DVDs. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I, I tell you what, though, not watching the Cruiserweight Classic, like I thought about this because you don't necessarily have to watch it week by week like the other shows. This is yeah. like one of WWE's maybe first binge live watch. in-ring binge-washable program. Yeah, yeah, Ooh. yeah. Because you don't get that. Because nothing's happening until the 14th at the live finale in September uh, at September 14th. Like, you can catch up any time before. Then you really don't have to be following along. It's not like you're going to see spoilers on Raw, spoilers on SmackDown. You can binge watch this stuff. Like, I I think that's an interesting approach to take it, too. I'll I'll hype it for Kia. It's a totally different approach than what they do for wrestling. It's more of a sports type of approach that they're doing for this one. And it's Mauro Ronaldo and... uh, and uh, Daniel Bryan doing the uh, play-by-play. Oh, my God. Can I say how much that I absolutely love that he's back involved again? Yeah. Uh, oh, my. Yeah, Daniel Bryan. Absolutely. When they announced him as the GM, I mean, he was, you know, he was on the short list of Wish GMs uh-huh. SmackDown. Uh, my first one was Lita. I mean, I would have I loved to have seen her. I think her and Shane could have worked really well. Um, on SmackDown together, but I am not upset at all that Daniel Bryan was the one that was called up. You have any thoughts on Jerry Lawler no no longer being an in ring commentator for WWE? He's on the pre shows now, but he's not on Raw or SmackDown. Any thoughts on that? Well, I, you know, he, I guess he's one of those. Uh, uh, <laughs> all right, I kind of saw him as a kind of a bully. Okay, like yeah, sure. I mean, the way that he would rag on Byron Saxton, it was just kind of like. All right, we get the joke, but the joke, you keep on doing the joke, man. Just there's other things. Um, I liked I liked last night with um, Graves. I thought Graves did a great job. 
I mean, he like he he knocked that out of the park last night. Um, and I I don't know. I'm just one of those types. I I need a. It's kind of like with improv where you hit hit back off instead of like hit 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 hit. I mean, he's he's uh, an excellent commentator. He's he's got a definite huge history behind him. Mm-hmm. It's just you know I didn't really enjoy him always ragging on Byron all the time. That's all. Yeah, that, that's. That- that's true. And, and the commentary is cool because you saw it on Raw and that if that continues, it's going to be great. They weren't bickering with each other. They weren't finding reasons to fight with each other. They were calling the in-ring action. They were they were promoting storylines for later on in the show. They weren't they weren't annoying. Yeah, they weren't distracting from it. They were they were adding to they were complimenting what was going on in the ring. And I don't mean complimenting in the sense of, oh, that's amazing. I mean, as in. Um, they were part of a whole experience. Right. That's one of the that's one of those little subtle things I was talking about before with like how it actually does feel like a new era the WWE is trying to do now. Well, with Raw, I'm going to be interested in the in the dynamic on the SmackDown team then because you have Morrow, you have JBL coming over there, and JBL when he's getting produced is usually the voice of Vince. But even on his own, he'll go on these tangents that are just weird, and then and play and he'll play the heel. But then you also have David Otunga, who also he he can play the heel. It just depends on how big he's going to play this one. I don't know how a quote unquote two heel booth, so to speak, is going to work with uh with SmackDown. What do you think? Um, well, I'm not as familiar with them um, as part with uh with JBL, but I think from the feel that I got with, uh, with Shane and Daniel Bryan, that as long as they add that other dimension to it, and I think with SmackDown they could get, get away with more of a bickering thing than they would with Raw, just because Raw is so packed with everything. It's more like what can, what can make things, what can be um, uh, you know, DVD commentary, what can be that director's cut kind of stuff that actually helps everything, while with SmackDown, if you had contention, then that could add flavor to what they have going on over there. So if those commentators do that, then flavor would help. And I think Morrow's a strong enough play-by-play yeah, guy where he, he can handle just about, I mean, he's much stronger than Michael Cole is in terms of flow, so he, he, he'll probably be able to... I mean, he worked with Frank Shamrock, for God's sakes. I, I mean, this is this is, should be easy street for him. I'm not too worried about the SmackDown team just because they've already had... This is now the third iteration of the SmackDown team this calendar year. I, I feel like by the time we get to WrestleMania next year, it's going to be different anyway. So, yeah, I'm not putting too much stock in the SmackDown team. It just always seems to change randomly like at, at, for no reason. And uh, we will see how it goes. Any other, any other thoughts, Marquia, about WWE's direction as a, uh, as a whole after this draft? Like, what are you most looking forward to, I should ask, uh, in the coming weeks and months? Okay, well, I'm definitely looking forward to stronger women's division. I am so glad that they got rid of that freaking divas revolution thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand it as a stepping stone, you know, who, who hasn't had, I, and I'm not going to diss butterflies on a belt much. much. Um, <laughs> just a little bit, just a little bit, but you're right. I mean, ever since they, got, ever since yeah. they got rid of all that crap, the last couple of months, it's been pretty good. Yeah. When they brought it back to how, you know, it used to be well for a certain amount of time. And now it's like, we're, we're okay. It's new era. And we have these incredible females, um, and they're you know bridging the gap for everything. I mean, you have Charlotte, you've got Becky. Um, oh, I miss AJ. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
apparently Nikki might be back in a few weeks. I know I heard a rumor of that. Who knows? But you have all of this. One of the, one of the things that uh, I bring up and that I think that they could really do for SmackDown and that I wish that they would be able to do maybe sometime in the next year or two as a women's tag team, I think that that would be great for SmackDown. I think that would be great for the brand because it's something that it just it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist, but it can exist. It absolutely can. It was funny when uh, when Sasha Banks and Bailey after Battleground they did their little YouTube backstage video, mm. <laughs> and they they mention uh, tag teaming like that that could be the future doing a tag team championship for the women's side. Like that was something. It, it seemed like it was kind of ad libbed, but at the same time, maybe a SmackDown wants something different instead of putting a singular women's championship on the SmackDown brand to do some type of tag team championship or, or something different. Well, I'm just telling you, it would be it would be different. It would be bold, and I think it could be hella good. And then it would just be on the SmackDown brand. Talk about bringing some new fans in. I mean, everybody knows that uh, WWE really knocked it out of the park with Total Divas. They brought in a whole new fan base with that. So just continue that. Give them something else to look at that they can only see um, on Tuesdays on SmackDown. <laughs> the boss and hug connection. They were they were adorable. No, the the uh, the knockouts tag team title when when TNA had them. That was one of the best parts of that division because you could have a champion and then you could have a tag team. I think SmackDown would have to sign about six to eight more women in order to have a vibrant tag division because right now you only have what six. Yeah. They have on, six. On the they roster. would they would need more. But if you say you brought Bailey up, you have Nikki Bella go over there. You have uh, maybe Ale- you have Alexa Bliss, Carmella coming up, obviously. Put, put all the women who aren't on Raw right now, just move them all to SmackDown and keep the uh, Raw roster the way it is. It can be done. I don't know if it's going to yeah. be too much depth, but it could be done. Yeah, I'm not okay. saying that it's anything that can be done right now, right. I mean, realistically speaking. But, I mean, uh, if you spend your life just thinking about things that you can't do or can't be done, then what are you, what are you ever going to get done? Always have a goal. That's the goal. Wow. Marquia bringing some inspiration to shake them ropes this time. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, final question for you, Marquia. Nikki Bella, great diva or the greatest diva? <laughs> uh, well, I, I, I'm a huge AJ fan. So uh, with the whole uh, AJ and then Nikki and stuff. Um, I, but I do want Nikki's return. I do want that. I think that now that uh, Daniel Bryan's back, that it's just a matter of time. You know, I, I'm open arms with her to come back because I think that that would add a very nice dynamic to what's going on. Um, although I do see her on Raw, but I guess I should see her on SmackDown instead. SmackDown, I, SmackDown seems to make sense for Nikki. Just, you know, John Cena is there and they could use more of the star power on SmackDown because right now you have Charlotte, Sasha on Raw. You Becky Lynch, Becky Lynch and Natalia are your top two on SmackDown. I don't know if that really compares. Yeah, um, I guess I was just seeing it for the dynamic of um, we have a whole lot of uh, the NXT people. Yeah, that's true. There, and I just you know to just make it different. But you're absolutely right; it would make more sense for Nikki to go on SmackDown, and that she could definitely help that out there. And then, ooh, how nice would that be to have a, a Charlotte and Nikki thing or a Sasha and Nikki thing happen in the future? Mm-hmm. Yep. So we'll uh, put Marquia down for great diva for Nikki Bella. <laughs> yes, great, not greatest, but great. Great. Markia, tell everyone where the people can find you one last time. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram uh, at Markia McCarty. That's M-A-R-K-E-I-A-M-C-C-A-R-T-Y. I'm also on Snapchat, Darth 
Thin Mints, as in Vader, and Girl Scout cookies. Uh, and then uh, if you... <laughs> yeah, that makes it easier. Uh, and then if you enjoy live comedy, um, I'm part of Big Yellow Taxi that will be uh, uh, at Pack Theater. It's in Hollywood at 9.30 p.m. It is an hour-long improv, which is Taxi Cab Confessions meets improv. It's amazing. We have really great guest uh, drivers. Uh, this week we have Benny Arthur from Drunk History. And he's, <laughs> we're going to get him drunk and then make him drive. No, not really. Don't but do it. Don't do it. Don't fake drive drunk. Uh, but he will be our driver for uh, this Thursday. And then right before that, if you're a nerd like I am, you really want to check out Doctor Who Live. We will be on at 8 o'clock. It is an improvised episode of Doctor Who. And it's amazing. It's all the nerd that you need. And if you don't know the show, you'll still get it. So that's at the same theater, Pack Theater in Hollywood at 8 p.m. We will, uh, we will send out your information on our Twitter feed, at Shake Them Ropes. Markia, thanks again for joining us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Rob. And, you know, Hawkins. Thank you to Markia McCarty so much for joining us and getting a perspective uh, not only on the wrestling game, but also on some uh, San Diego Comic-Con and so forth. Uh, she's great. She's fun to talk to. I like her a lot. Match number 24 on our top 100 countdown. We continue with Ric Flair and Randy Savage from WrestleMania 8 that happened at the Hoosier Dome, which no longer exists in Indianapolis, Indiana. This was the WWF Championship match under the main event of Hulk Hogan versus my favorite wrestler of all time, <laughs> Sid. Ric Flair, Randy Savage... We had Kurt Hennig coming down to the ring with Ric Flair. We had Elizabeth in there with Randy Savage. And this would be, uh, this would turn out really to be Randy Savage's last important match at a WrestleMania. Yeah, we also had a, uh, a cameo from young Shane McMahon in this match, playing one of the uh, quote unquote security guys trying to keep Elizabeth from, from going down to the ring during this match. Yeah, this show was uh, this show was interesting. I go to turn on the pay per view, and you know I've seen this pay per view from start to finish before, but I I was going back to watch this match, and I watched the intro again, and that Reba McIntyre singing the national anthem always gets me. Not because yeah. it's emotional or any good, but it's like it was kind of weird. She felt like she was rushing through it a little bit. I don't mm. I don't know, but I I wasn't uh, you know I don't know why I'm singling out Reba McIntyre here. I think uh, it I think it's one of those things where live performance when you're when you're singing live and using a recording. Sometimes it feels like you're off by a half second, especially with the echo right. in the arena. I don't know if I've ever seen this whole thing live or, or front to back. From start to finish, like as a, at one sitting. The only reason I bring up the Reba McIntyre really was she sings and then Tito Santana tries to pick her up. Right. No, I, I just remember this is 1992. Yes, so, it is. Yes, it is so, 1992. Oh, so, Vince McMahon's intro on this show, by the way. Love it. Do you? I do. He it, was it, epic Vince McMahon character. WrestleMania. And I want him to do one of those just one more time. Uh-huh. Just just one I was hoping he'd do it for Dallas. Uh-huh. Yeah. Just do the old music and the growling right. over the top stupid Vince. That's what I was Sure. Wondering. But no, this is uh end of my first year in college, so I don't know if I Actually, I've seen this whole thing. I remember this being, at least to the internet community, the lost opportunity WrestleMania. This was this was the uh, beginning of my seventh year in life. Yes, 
the, the the lost opportunity WrestleMania with with the possible showdown of Flair and Hogan. And then, of course, they had already run that on the West Coast to tepid numbers, so it kind of ruined that. So instead, we get Savage and Flair for the title, and then this is the title being kind of the B, the co-main event to Hogan and Sid. Yep, yep. But the championship match, I'm interested to see what you thought about this championship match because I feel like this is one of those matches that if I was watching it at the time, like if that match was happening... Right now, and I'm watching it first live for the first time as it happens in real life, like I would be really into it, but watching via, you know, tape delay of over two decades, it was it was an okay match, but I don't think there's that much that's special to it, other than maybe Randy Savage, for those who really like to see uh, back in the day when wrestlers would sell injuries and wrestlers would sell a move that makes everything seem a little bit more important. Randy Savage selling the leg was on epic levels. This is on the list because of the angle. Yeah. And the angle was huge yeah. at the time. The The whole Ric Flair had Elizabeth first and had pictures of her that he was threatening to show everybody. Um, You know what? It's weird that things stand out to you. The thing that stood out to me in this match that I had never noticed before, I never noticed that Randy Savage uses his left arm to clothesline people. Which I, I have heard that even if you're left-handed in, when you're training, you want to learn how to clothesline with your right arm because the positioning of the body is better and it's just smoother for the guys in the ring to go to, to your right arm rather than your left arm. But, but he's also right-handed when he punches. So I just thought, wow, that's an interesting choice. I'm not sure why I never noticed that before, but it's noticeable here. Overall, this match is a sta- – get used to this match – because this is kind of a standard Ric Flair match for the most part. Ric Flair does all the hits. He, you know, Flair flop, dive over the turnbuckle onto the top rope, getting caught, blades and has a crimson mask at some point where he's just rubbing his head and then all of a sudden he's bleeding. Uh, yeah, no, it's a good match, but it's nothing to me that, that stands out in terms of Ric Flair's catalog. I think it, this is more standing out for Savage's catalog than Flair's. But uh, it's an interesting story match, and the promos afterwards, very interesting, I thought. Did you watch through that? No, I did not. Okay. They, they both cut promos, Flair in, the, Flair in the locker room with Sean Mooney, and then, and then Savage just has this weird promo. And it's as if it's not even – it's as if it's the first shot in the feud rather than a blow-off in the feud, which is interesting because this seems to be – the start of Flair starting to make his way down the card. No, I got to tell you, to be honest, all I've been doing ever since you mentioned it was trying to watch video clips of Randy Savage clotheslining people. Okay. I Yeah, I, I seem to remember seeing him do the clotheslines with the left arm. Uh, and not everyone does that, obviously. You know, Finn Balor nowadays does the uh, sling blade clothesline with his left arm. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's a little bit different uh, type of move. Hiroshi Tanahashi doing that, too. But, uh, yeah, that's that, that's something I guess I never noticed. I was never intently looking at before. I wonder if that's a common thing. Like, is everyone listening to this going to be like, Jeff and Rob, how did you not notice that before? That's super obvious. We all knew that. It's just watching a lot of wrestling and, yeah. and some th- some things go into the ether. No, right. I, I love my favorite Randy Savage clothesline is the one where he throws his legs out from under him and it looks like a reverse bulldog. Mm-hmm. And you could use that in the WWE Superstars video game. I thought that was always cool. Yeah, not the best Randy Savage WrestleMania match, uh, you know, of his career. 
thought the match was was good. I feel though that this would have been a match much better being watched live as it happened versus oh, this crowd on video. Great. The crowd, crowd was excellent. Oh, the crowd was excellent. The crowd was yeah. just into this, man. They they were they were they were doing it, but looking with uh, 25 years in between, uh I could do without it, but yes, the the match is there for the angle. It is on the list for the angle and we roll along with our top 100 next week on Shake Them Ropes. That is it for this week's Shake Them Ropes. Thanks everyone for listening. Go check us out on Twitter at Shake Them Ropes. Go check Jeff out at Crap Game 13. Voicesofwrestling.com slash STR for all of our podcast archives. Jeff, say goodbye to the folks at home. Goodbye to the folks at home. In a world of one million wrestling podcasts, there is a new shining star with great interviews, analysis, music, and and me, Matt Coon, on total engagement. Go to any podcast platform to listen today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.